up, JFW family? Welcome back to the Channel 23 podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to reach out and touch the fleet, to engage and inform everyone with all things JFW. Back in the studio, Jim and Dave White and Super Dave. Welcome, guys. Morning, everybody. What's going on, everybody? Good morning. So last week, episode four, um, believe it or not, I'm sorry to say our our plays are a little down. We had 105 plays. Ooh. Yeah. But our total plays is a big number, and that's 610. I like that. I don't know. I think we've reached our core group of listeners, but I'm hoping as we go, more people do listen. Yeah, for sure. Spread the news out there, you guys. I mean, this is how we're going to try and reach out and contact everyone and keep everybody engaged. The feedback we are getting is positive. Uh, it's just a little less of it. You guys ready for the dad joke challenge? Yeah, I'm ready. I got to recover from last week. I think mine sucked last week. Man, you better go first then, Jim. (laughs) You're all hype. All right, all right. Here we go. So why didn't the watermelons get married? I know this one. (laughs) Go ahead, Dave. Hit the punchline. Isn't it something they can't elope? Yep, they can't elope. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I like that. Super? Well, that's going to be uh, worse than mine, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, they're supposed to be good, worse. Not worse. <laughs> Why do fathers take an extra pair of socks when they go golfing? In case they get a hole in one. <laughs> oh, oh, here we go. Boom. All right, you guys aren't going to know this one. Did you guys hear Steve Harvey and his wife got in a great big fight? No. Uh, they called it a family feud. <laughs> okay. Ba-da-ba. Do you guys know there's a diner on the moon? A diner on the moon. Yep, the food's great, but there's no atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, I like it. All right, moving on to celebrations. We got uh birthdays first. We got C Bass and 0058. His birthday is was yesterday actually. November 2nd. Happy birthday, Seabass. Nice. Happy birthday, Seabass. Happy birthday, Seabass. Seabass does a great job for us and for himself. Anniversaries, Manny V. Uh, November 6th is his one-year anniversary since he's been back, but he is not a one-year driver. He is a seasoned vet. Happy anniversary, Manny. Congratulations, man. Thanks for all the hard work. Good job, Manny. Thanks, buddy. Good trainer, too. Absolutely. I'd like to go over... Um, we just completed our Saturday Volunteers. When, when did we start the Saturday Volunteer spiff? Was it back in April or May? And was it, it came was into it effect June ago? or something? It yeah, was I think somewhere so. around there. Just yeah. our busy season. You know, it was hard to get volunteers for Saturdays, so we started a program where drivers would get one day of PTO for volunteering for two Saturdays. And uh, we had a lot of volunteers, but Jose Barraza and Jesse Baeza those guys tied with nine volunteer days apiece, and that equaled four and a half days of PTO for those guys. Yeah, superheroes, you guys. Great job, Jesse. Jose, thanks, you guys, for all the help and hard work. That's awesome. Congratulations. Also wanted to add somebody to the perfect attendance for the year, and that's Big Tone, Tony Martinez. There was a discrepancy, an error on our part he pointed out to me, so he does, in fact, have perfect attendance as well. I don't believe it, Tony. We, we got to recheck that, man. I, I don't know about that. I know. I get a phone call. You'll call me. Hey, uh, Jim, I got a fun fact for you for uh, perfect attendance for somebody. Okay, let's hear it. So this dates back. We're going back in time, right? 
It kind of doesn't have anything to do with JFW as far as employees go then. Currently an employee, but Brother Jim got a special award in sixth grade because he went seven years and never missed a day. He didn't miss anything in kindergarten and grades one through six. He never missed one day of school in seven years. Wow, that's pretty impressive for a young kid. You ask my daughter, she'll skip school tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I was only sick on the, in the summer and holidays. <laughs> that's funny. That's, that's good work ethic from a very young age. And just hearing your story about Sam with his, with his swim meet and his work ethic, that, that was pretty impressive <laughs> yeah. as well. Had me, uh, had me getting a little teared up over here. Uh, Jack, Jack Oquenda Mejia, he mentioned to me he had a clean truck, and I kind of mentioned he had a Broncos trash can in there, and that's why he didn't get mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> but he does keep a clean truck as well. And Oswaldo, Oswaldo would never brag about himself, but he keeps a very clean truck as well. Yeah, if we missed anybody last week, I know we mentioned it, and Jam said he thought we probably missed some guys, and, and Jam just put these one these guys down. But I'm sure we're missing more out there. Thanks, you guys, for the clean trucks. If we, have, did, yeah, if we didn't mention you, sorry. I have one more to add to that list. Jose Barraza. Oh, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. He came in, and he was like, Brother Dave, I'm telling you, I got a clean truck. Nobody mentioned me. So Man. good job, Jose. Jack, Oswaldo, man, you guys are rock stars out there. Thank you. That truck is your office. It's so cool when we open up a door and it's nice and clean and well-kept and presented well. And, you know, the state patrol or any police activity that when they come and look in your truck, it impresses them. I mean, I, I went through a stop years ago. The state patrolman came up and he opened up my door and he was standing there looking at my floor mats all armor all and he looked at me and he said, why is your truck so clean? I said, this is my office. I sit in it for 12 hours a day. You know, and he said, well, why don't you step back here with me, young man, sit down in my car. First thing I did when I opened up his door and sat down in the passenger seat, besides asking him if I was going to jail, was uh, <laughs> notice how clean his car was. And yeah. it was pretty impressive. He just did his inspection and let me go. That's nice. Yeah, that's kind of truck driving 101. If you get pulled over and you pop your door open and a pop can falls out and there's trash everywhere, that's just a sign that's how you run your life and how you run your logbook and your paperwork and that's pretty indicative that there could be a problem with what you're doing. Absolutely. One thing else we missed last week is uh, we had the East Yard versus the West Yard cook-off. We had uh, Rick Colleen did a great job over here cooking burritos, smothered burritos for everybody. I didn't have one, but uh, from what I heard, they were delicious. And then Troy Hunt, he answered the call at the West Yard, and he had uh, some green chili prepared for everybody over there. But I did see Troy Hunt here eating Rick Colleen's burritos. So <laughs> that could be a sign. Did he put his green chili on it? I don't know if he did or not. We'd have to ask Troy. Maybe we're missing the combo platter there or something. Yeah, I did see Troy show up here, and, and I did try uh, one of Rick's burritos and then a second one of Rick's burritos, and they were pretty good. <laughs> and then uh, Joanne and Amanda, I'm pretty sure they organized a potluck here last week for the office, but that was pretty, that was fun. That was a good time. And then uh, Randy, Randy Hogue, he killed those baby back ribs. Oh, they, buddy. They were so good. They Ooh. might have been the best ribs I've had in a long time. I'm asking for that every Friday. I'm telling you, man, they were good. <laughs> yeah, I heard I missed out, but Randy's ribs were the best is what everybody said. So I've been wondering, guys, if, if you guys weren't here at JFW, obviously I don't think either one of you ever had a different job. I'm not even sure on the side, but 
if you weren't doing this, what would you guys do? Did you have any childhood dreams or adult dreams maybe? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, for myself, Jam, uh, I always wanted to be a policeman or that's what I thought about going into and uh, talked to dad about it. And dad's always been in my corner my whole life. He supported me in sports, my, my school, whatever I needed. He was always there. And I told him I was thinking about being a policeman and he looked at me and he goes, son, I, I can't support you in that. He said, I don't want you to, to risk your life like that. He said, I don't know what I'd do if I ever lost you. So I kind of changed and stayed with the business. Well, you got the mustache for it, so there you go. <laughs> oh, hot mustache. That's funny. Just need the Ray-Bans. There you go. Dave? Yeah, I, it's a tough question, you guys. I've always loved uh, just equipment on its own. You know, it doesn't matter whether, whether it's, you know, you can go to pickups, Ford, Chevy, Dodge, I mean, whatever. If it's something cool out there, you know, both Jim and I grew up, dad ran yellow iron i mean he had dug basements on a daily basis and i think i still have an imprint of the toolbox in that 950 cat loader stuck on an ass cheek that just i mean that's what we did you know if we weren't in school or something we went with him and helped and when he drove and whatnot and i guess you know as the years went by and we were able to drive and look at the equipment and i mean that there's just nothing that that gets my heart more it i mean it it just pulls me in when you look at a cool truck or a cool trailer and you see what it's capable of doing and how easy it does it and I, you know i'm blown away at the progress i've seen in the ability that our equipment has in the last 30 years i mean the automation of it the automatic transmissions how light the trailers are lift axles i just it's i'm just blown away at where we're at and i don't mean we as in just jfw but as trucking as a whole, it's just it's just really cool. It just really gets me going, you know. And again, it doesn't matter what it is. It could it could be a forklift. If I see something cool at Home Depot, I'll walk up and start talking to somebody about it. So yeah, that's just me. I'm weird. I'm wired like that. You were probably the kid in the sandbox with the Tonka toys, huh? Oh, dude, I'd build roads all day long. Are you kidding me? Bring the sandbox down. I'll still do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And and how'd you guys land in the positions you have? I mean, we we all know if. If Dave says something, it's like Jim said it. If Jim said it, it's like Dave did it. You guys are one and the same, and you've both done every job here at JFW, but you know, you kind of definitely have different roles here currently. How did you guys end up doing what you do? Yeah, I have to throw out just the start of that, Jam, as a thank you to Dave, Brother Dave. I mean, I couldn't ask for a better business partner or brother and, and how we've worked through the years to be able to get along, you know, People come up to us all the time and go, how do you guys get along? Or, you know, my family fights or, you know, you hear about the stories of other families or they've they've feuded and, and broke up. And I mean, it begins with getting along. And me and Dave's always been able to do that. We've always been able to talk. It doesn't mean we haven't fought and haven't walked down the street and had to leave because we were a little pissed or slammed a door here and there. But anyway. Uh, to get back to your question, kind of jam is we just always have divided and conquered whatever needed to be done, and then we play to our strengths if we can and and go on. Yeah, well put, Jim. I concur the whole way through. I mean, uh, it's it's kind of funny that when you say divide and conquer, it's just like what needs to be done just naturally happens for both of us. We've worked together our entire lives since we were little kids. 
you know, just like I mentioned a few minutes ago, if it was a Saturday and dad was out digging a basement and he needed somebody to shovel the dirt off of the curbs or the sidewalk that he was going across or whatever, that was our job. You know, if we had to put in a leach field, we put in a leach field. We covered the pipe with rock or it just didn't matter. We would, we would start at, I would start at one end and he would start at the other and we'd meet in the middle and the job was done. It was complete and we'd move on. And I guess we kind of task ourselves to know what the other person is doing and how we can help the other person knowing that we each have our own roles. And uh, yeah, I, I couldn't ask for a better partner. I mean, the, the key to that is conversation and being able to talk about it. So trust me, we, we have some crucial conversations probably on a weekly basis. It could be about our family. It could be about our business. It could be about each other. You know, you, I consider ourselves, we're kind of like ducks. We look calm and cool on the top, but we're paddling like a son of a bitch down below under the water where you can't see us. Yeah, I'd have to give some credit to your pops, too. It sounds like you guys are raised right. I remember uh, probably about three years ago, I, I asked Jim, I said, so did you and Dave fight a lot when you were growing up? And he just looked at me and said, it just wasn't allowed, Jim. Nope, we sure <laughs> didn't. Probably has a lot to do with trust and respect. Yeah, absolutely, Jim. Yeah, I would definitely it just, we had to figure it out, couldn't fight about it. No doubt. You guys also, you know, it's clear you got the finger your fingers on the pulse of everything that goes around here. I joke around that you guys could smell something wrong. Like, hey, you smell that? Yeah, what's that? That's a bolt missing out of a tarp motor in the back lot, you know? And it's like, <laughs> you know, sure enough, if you walk back there, that truck's missing a bolt out of the tarp motor. Like, you just, you could just tell something's wrong. How do you guys stay in touch with what's going on around here? Um, to start with, or the way it is now, probably our people. Um, the the team we've put together here the drivers that are you know that we take time to touch or a couple drivers that take time to call us or touch us you know i've had some good conversations with tony martinez and and potter and uh yeah just the the communication with everybody now uh back in the past it when we when we know something's wrong or we see something's wrong or how we see that or how we catch that jam is that we had to repair it ourselves we were responsible of it there was no mechanics there was nobody to wash the trucks there was nobody to fix a tire there was nobody to rotate the tires put brakes on do a clutch you know it was all up to us so we had to catch that stuff before we were broke down on the road and and uh you know play into our strengths that's where dave came in and and ran a lot of the the shop items and could recognize that stuff just like he does today dave what yeah, no, you're that? spot on. I, I think the key to that was we had to fix it ourselves. We we learned early on it's better to be proactive. You know, I, I've been kind of teasing a couple of guys out in the shop, the Boy Scout motto, it's best to be prepared, always be prepared. That's the Boy Scout motto. And you can only be prepared if you're looking at things in advance rather than in the tail end. You know, we just started a meeting last night giving out our, our uh, overweight permits. We're trying to do something a little different because again, it's better to be prepared than, than on the tail end. And what I mean is better to be proactive than reactive, right? We're giving out these overweight permits. We have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with, with the driver and, you know, it's, it's basic stuff. Hey, we do this, we do this. Look, you can't be on the interstate. Here's the permit. Sign here and everybody shakes their head and goes, yeah. Well, just in the last 30 days, we've had to pull three overweight permits because the drivers haven't earned the right to keep them, right? They've went out and they've gotten on an interstate with those permits. It's a no-no. We can't have that. And I don't think everyone understands 
if you get caught on the interstate and you have an overweight permit, we, JFW, is in jeopardy of losing our rights to those permits as a company. So it would only take one person to get caught out on the interstate with an overweight permit. The whole company could possibly lose their permit. So you drivers who have it and are doing it right, if you find someone not doing it right, please pull them aside and explain it to them that they are jeopardizing your income as well. I mean, that's part of being a team here and it's, it's crucial to what we do. So anyway, yeah, I kind of got off track there, but it's, it's always better to be prepared in the front side than reactive in the rear. So yeah, it's, this is a tough gig, man. It's, there's, there's nothing easy. You have to be engaged in every aspect of it. And you come out and you, you look for everything. I mean, you, we know where we have problems on tarps. You know what you're looking for on tires. You know, you know all the ins and outs, air leaks, whatever the case may be. It, it becomes very simple to find things, but we have to teach that. We'll be able to address more of the running heavy on the interstate because that is our safety topic of the week. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. It's okay. We'll get back into that for sure. In the last three years, I've seen uh, there's probably been, I think, maybe three, possibly four leadership positions open here. When you you guys are considering people for for leadership positions, what, what are you looking for? Yeah, Jim, it might sound a little corny, Um, you know, kind of the basics, though. Being punctual, (laughs) attendance, (laughs) uh, your positivity, the fairness, um, rule following, following, and I mean rule following like understanding our rules, like being overweight, um, not doing that, you know, not speeding in certain areas, how they've conducted themselves uh, through the years here. And in years, usually somebody that's been with the company, either in the past or or in the future here, or has come back. Um, Engagement, um, how they're engaged in the business, how they talk to other drivers, other people, you know, just our other teammates. And then the other thing is, you know, we talk to you guys about it quite a bit, but how somebody uh, matches our our together program, the, 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 I guess the, all the things that we face and try to overcome how that person matches our creed sure, and how they line up. So yeah, that would, that would be mine. Absolutely. Dave, I mean, anything add to that kind of spit a lot of stuff out there. No, uh, I, my big thing is when you have someone that's already engaged, they already start moving forward to that position. That's what sticks out to me. Right. Someone who just takes it and attacks it and continues going. They're not standing there going, well, I don't, I don't know what to do. I'm right. not sure. Right? They're moving forward. If you just stand still and don't do anything, nothing's going to happen. If you at least move forward, you're going to garner attention. You're going to get information that you need to know. You, you, you are basically assimilating yourself into that position. I really like that. The way I the way I hear that is, if you want a position, you got to act like you have that position. You can't wait to get that position and start acting like the role that you have just been given. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, you're right, Jim. Is you know you ask that and like we don't pick you, you pick yourself. Right. And Steve, what about trainers? That's that is another way, and sometimes a stepping stone here at JFW to move up. What about when you're looking for trainers? What are you looking for? Yeah, I mean. 
similar to what Jim and Dave just said, you're looking for somebody that is actually stepping up to the role. Um, you know, that person has to demonstrate patience, um, level-headedness, um, having a good grip on our procedures, you know, dumping procedure, um, fueling, you know, the pits and plants and things. Um, you know, they have to be skillful. They have to be good at what they do. Um, but also they have to prove they can communicate well because that's what training's all about. Um, and I, I've always said this too, that you have to have a heart of a teacher. You have to have that desire to pass your knowledge on and really enjoy doing that. I'm pretty happy to announce safety committee meetings are coming back. Uh, that's something that we, we, we used to do after the safety meeting. We'd have a safety committee meeting. And what that was is anybody that had an accident or did something unsafe, we would meet with those people. Uh, typically, Brother Dave was there, Super Dave, myself, uh, the safety directors. But the interesting thing about the safety committee meetings is there's drivers in there as well. Not the drivers that weren't safe or had an accident, but other drivers. So it's a meeting of your peers, more of a roundtable. Uh, Dave always says, you know, the meeting's not to point fingers or criticize, but it's to learn and grow. So I'm super excited we're bringing those back. We're having a meeting at the, the West Yard this Thursday, and then uh, we'll have a safety committee meeting at this yard on Friday. Yeah, that is exciting, Jam. I think everybody enjoyed those in the past. Even if you're in the committee to be spoken to or talked to or you're the guy that messed up, um, being reviewed by your peers and, and maybe learning something and taking something away from it, like you said, it's, it's not to point fingers. I know Dave does a really good speech before you know the meetings even start and it's impressive how people how our teammates work together absolutely and i think it carries weight to hear from your peers more than sitting down with you know your quote-unquote bosses or managers to hear it from another driver of how they would have done something different or something they could look out for the next time is is really powerful absolutely totally agree all right, moving on to procedures. Uh, the first procedure is really simple. We just started hauling out of VARA, and you are not allowed to make a left turn out of VARA only because it is super unsafe. Uh, it's a right turn only coming out of there. I think the speed limit's 65, so you know there's cars and trucks doing probably 80, 85 miles an hour on that road, and making a left turn, t making a left-hand turn out of there is just super dangerous. Thanks, Jam. Yeah, you're, you're right. There's no acceleration lane there, you guys. You can't make that left and either get over to the side or there's, there's just no lane to get out of the way and traffic's coming at you fast, just like Jam said. Next procedure we're going to talk about is dumping procedures. Super Dave, you are an expert at dumping. Oh, Why do we have dumping procedures? We need dumping procedures? We need come on, come on. Super Dave, <laughs> lay it on us, man. Well, if you've ever been around a trailer that's turned over, it's not a pretty sight. It, it turns your gut um, you know, it's it's like a beached whale is what I always say. Uh, shouldn't be that way. It wasn't meant to be that way. But um, there is a an outline in the training book as far as the steps. Step one, step two, step, step three. And I, I do know that a lot of the new drivers, they get confused. Uh, they forget to dump their airbags or they forget to set their trailer brake and the trailer rolls back and they rip off the mud flaps. Um, but, you know, it's basics really. You know, make sure you're level. Make sure you're backing up into the correct spot first, because if you don't, it's a it's a problem if you dump 
28 tons of material somewhere where it's not supposed to be like rock in the sand pile <laughs> or yeah, or something like that it's not you can't just pick it up and move it just like that but um so you have to make sure you're in the correct place you have to make sure the ground is firm and hard enough to hold uh you know 28 tons on two tires um you have to make sure you're level and there's specific ways to do that when you engage your pto and start to raise the trailer up it, it will give you a good idea the minute it raises out of the saddle um, but I, I was just talking to a new driver. I think it was on Saturday. Um, you have to make that choice when that trailer is no more than a stage and a half out of the saddle. It's about six feet off of the saddle or five feet off of the saddle. Um, that trailer is going to be leaning if it's not level. And you'll be able to look at it and say, oh, wow, that's not going to work. Um, that is essentially the point of no return. I've seen drivers send that trailer up three and a half stages and then stop and say, hmm, that looks like it's leaning pretty bad. I wonder if I can go up the last stage and a half. And while they're thinking about it, the trailer actually starts to tip over. Um, and that's because you're, you're raising it up and it's not level, it's unstable. And that energy that you're putting into the hoist going up, as soon as you stop, that energy has to go somewhere. And if you're not level, it's going to go over. Um, so within the first stage and a half maximum, you need to decide whether that's going to go up straight enough to go all the way to the top. Um, at that point, you know, you're straight, you're on good ground, you're in the right place. Then you're, you're sending it up to, um, and this part gets messed up you guys, because I see people all the time pulling forward before they have enough material on the ground when there's a lot of material still in the nose. And that's super dangerous because you're still very, very top heavy. But at the point that you get um, a good 75% of your material on the ground, you're up about four stages, four and a half stages. Then you go ahead and pull away from the pile to allow the rest of that material to fall out and hit the ground. And then you go up to the top of the hoist to make sure your nose is completely clear. Um, and you can't pull forward too soon because you have too much material in the nose and that gets dangerous. But um, at the very end, you make sure you can see daylight under your mud flaps. You know you're clear. You set your trailer brake and bring it down. And uh, a lot of times you can go ahead and set the trailer brakes, uh, pull the trailer valve out, um, and go back and dust your um, tailgate off while your trailer is still coming down. That'll save you a lot of time. Um, do it right there. Um, you can have that tailgate dusted off in about a minute. By the time you're finished, your trailer's completely in the saddle and uh, you're ready to go for another load. Hey, Super Dave, um, when you're up that stage and a half, all I have to do is just look out my mirror, right? To be able to tell that? Yeah, you're right, Jim. I did leave that out. That whole process, you need to be looking out your back window. Um, oh. That's why we have the back windows in the trucks. Okay. All right. So, so I need to have, be turned around and looking out that back window, that big two-by-three piece of glass, not out the mirror. Absolutely. When I'm training people, um, I tell them they need to scoot their butt sideways so they can look out that back window easier. Awesome. Yeah, thanks, Super Dave. Good, good piece on dumping. That was sarcasm about the mirrors in case anybody didn't understand. <laughs> yeah. Little sarcast. I just want to make sure everybody's aware that there are other ways to dump in certain situations as well. You know, that is your basic dumping procedure, but if you are on some really soft ground or, you know, you're dumping out of landfill, which we don't really do anymore, but there's just other ways as well, but 
Super Dave just laid down the basic way to dump, and that's how everybody should be dumping unless there's extenuating circumstances. Yeah, years ago, Jim, we used to do a lot of pipeline projects. Uh, we used to build a lot of golf courses, um, and that's from scratch. In other words, you're going out across the country, across hill and dale, uh, empty field, completely raw, and uh, you know you needed to dump a lot of loads that way. Um, other times, they would back you right into a sand trap um, on nothing but about a foot of sand, and nothing was level, nothing was firm, and we would still have to get that off. And um, it was tough. It was really tough. And you used to have to keep your trailer on top of that sand and roll it forward. And sometimes you couldn't set any brakes at all. You couldn't set your tractor. You couldn't set your trailer. And um, you would get stuck if you didn't put it in gear and start driving away before your trailer was all the way down because you would use the momentum of that trailer coming down to push you out and uh it was tough it was exciting uh we don't do any of that stuff anymore brother dave for about the i don't know about two weeks now i've been hearing you say back to basics back to basics what's going on with that yeah it just feels like the training falls through the cracks and back to the basics are doing our post trips inspecting our trucks doing all of our paperwork, all of the basic fundamental steps at some point, a lot of the times they get pushed to the sides. So we've just been kind of preaching back to the basics. Do the things you were taught to do. Check your air system. You know, has anybody done a air brake test where you back up with all your brakes released in your parking spot? You turn the truck off and you just hold your brake pedal down to the ground for a minute. See if you have any air leaks. Just simple things like that that are these are these are basic knowledge points that you had to do when you got your license you learned about when you got your license but if there's no follow-through these are back to the basics uh you know did you walk around and check your lights before you left the yard we pulled a truck in the shop pulled a truck in i don't know three nights ago i think it was monday night or something like that there were two lights that were just gone on the back of the trailer the driver never wrote them up they just pulled the truck in because it was due for service and the lights were missing vacant gone from the tailgate driver never wrote them up so you know that basic is a basic walk around it's doing your paperwork it's turning your paperwork in daily uh it's all aspects of safety and again these are these are basics the the things we have to cover the things we need to do yeah, I mean, sports analogy, the fundamentals are the fundamentals are the fundamentals. You know, for me, it's shooting. You know, a good shooter is somebody that's just mastered the fundamentals more than somebody else. In football, you know, you're going to throw the football the same way. Some guys just mastered it more than others, but they all learned how to do it from, from, the, from the very beginning the same way. They call that execution. Uh, safety topic of the week, we're going to talk about running heavy on the interstate. Uh, we had a really good meeting last night with uh, Troy Holmes, Vincent, Emerald, Jeff, Jesus, the safety directors, uh, Scooby and JR, Brother Dave and myself, Super Dave. It was just a roundtable. Uh, it was more of a, a BS session about something very serious. But we should have just brought these this recorder in there because we could have covered everything we're about to talk to in that meeting. It was so good. Everybody was engaged. But let's just start off with uh, running heavy on the interstate. That's a federal law. It's not a JFW policy. So, you know, if somebody says your rules or something like that, 
it's not a JFW thing. You're a professional truck driver. You agree to not run heavy on the interstate when you got your CDL. So sarcasm jam, I can't get on an interstate over 80,000? I mean, I'm just, I'm just checking. You cannot. <laughs> <laughs> why, why can't we run heavy on the interstate? What's the, what's the big deal about that, beside it being a law? What? Go, go ahead, Dave. With the permit? <laughs> is that another trick question let's let's forget about the heavy permits right now because the heavy permits are not valid on the interstate everybody needs to know those heavy permits are for approved secondary roads only yep a- absolutely jim yeah one of the things that pops into my head when you ask that question about the eighty thousand is just the safety right. most of those roads have lots and lots of traffic on it, three lanes of traffic. A lot of them are, you know, 65 miles an hour, 75 miles an hour. You guys have all been on, or faster, yeah. You, with COVID out, not to bring that up, but, you know, Jam just gave me the thumbs up across the table here. People are running 85 and 90 miles an hour down the interstate. And then you guys all know the accidents we have, you know, like coming down I-25. You don't need to try to stop, you know, 81, 82, 87,000, 92,000. It just, that's, it's impossible. It is so hard on the trucks and so unsafe, you guys. That's, that's where this stuff originated. And of course, there's the backstory that, sure, it tears up our interstates and the interstates are what everybody uses. It's not the road going in and out of your neighborhood. And it does come back to two of those uh, main reasons for truck crashes. Two of those four reasons are speed and space. So you got too much speed and not enough space out there. Yeah, everything's multiplied with those with those heavy loads. And I just saw on uh, Twitter yesterday, Lakewood PD, they posted a picture of the cop's radar detector. It was 91 miles an hour, and the driver's excuse was, I was just keeping up with traffic. <laughs> right? I, I believe it. Right? I believe <laughs> I it. I do too. It's, Absolutely. It's crazy. People in, people in Colorado drive fast. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, they, they definitely get it anymore. It's crazy. Okay, so what's the deal with the heavy permits then? We're not, we're not supposed to use them on the I-roads, the interstates. You can't be on any of the I-roads with your permit. And you can't be on it for two seconds, one mile, 50 feet. You just cannot be on an interstate with the overweight permit. It's not allowed on that. You also, they're just like Jam said earlier, they're to be used on a secondary road. I can use it coming out of spec ag, right, if I go up the hill, just get on the on-ramp to I-70. It's basically the on-ramp to the off-ramp to 470, right? I can use it there, can I? Was that sarcasm again? Am I, am I, am I missing that? Did that you- is a highway. It is an interstate, not legal. <laughs> that, that should have got really loud in the mic, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. Man, people people man, ask me, they just, say, well, I don't ever get over to the to the I-70 part. I'm just staying in the on-ramp lane because I'm getting right back off on C-470. That's I-70 right there. You're <laughs> on I-70. It doesn't matter what lane you're in. And then the permits, they say 97,000 pounds on them. What do we do here at JFW? Yeah, 92,000 pounds. I mean, that's our maximum. Do you guys know why? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, Dave. Why? Because our equipment isn't rated for 97,000 pounds. You know, if you go back, every tire has a designation on it for a weight rating, a maximum weight rating. Our tires on our trailers and our tractors, you can do the math on them. Just see what it says for maximum load. 
Take that times four and see how much your axles can carry back there. That's the maximum. We are we are maxed out at 92,000 pounds. The tires are not capable of carrying anymore. That's also in addition to the pop cans we pull for end dump trailers. I mean, these, these trailers are light. They're teetering the difference between light duty versus light weight. We are extremely lightweight and we are on the edge of light duty. Dave, what does one of those trailers weigh empty? Uh, they're right at 9,700 pounds. That's with tarp and liner. So they weigh 9,700 pounds and you're carrying 32 tons in that. Right. That's right. impressive. Yeah. My pickup weighs 7,000 pounds, Dave. That trailer is only 2,000 pounds heavier than my pickup. That's it. That's amazing engineering right there. Right? Yeah. And also, you guys just throw that out there. When you do load to the 92,000, or if that's what we allow, most of the time that weight ends up on the back of the trailer. Not you guys aren't axling it out. So just like Dave said, there's even more weight on that 9,700 pound trailer, just on the rear of it, just on the air ride, just on the back of it, just against the gate, just against the sides. It's a, it's a big deal. Yeah. Just the difference in weight for, for kind of a reference. If you're carrying 85,000 pounds and you want to go to that 92,000, you just tell the loader operator, Oh, I'm only at 85,000. Why don't you throw brother Dave's pickup on top of the load? That's how much more I need. 7,000 more pounds. Just just throw Brother Dave's one-ton pickup up on top of the load, and you're good to go. Yeah, a couple Subarus, guys. I know what I do, and everybody's different. But if I'm going somewhere and I could use a heavy permit, I just ask for 30 tons, and I take whatever it is. You know, I'm not worried about maxing all the way to 92,000. I know some guys are going to get every pound they can out of a load, and, and I get that, you know, but, you know, grabbing – Grabbing 30 tons and going, there's nothing wrong with that either. And sometimes you got to decide if it's worth it. You may, you may be taking more time running heavy, getting, you know, 25 more tons total by running heavy, but missing out of a load where you could have got 27 to 29 tons. Oh, absolutely. And it would have been an extra load versus extra tonnage. Yeah, Jam, when we used to drive all the time, we had, just like you said, drivers, hey, I want that little bit, I want that little bit. And we've had guys go back for that pinch. And I've just left with my load. And by the time they get back in line, get that pinch, possibly be over, I, I've been back. I've lapped them for the day. And just like you said, haul 25 more tons right. than the two they picked up. It just doesn't make sense. It's hard not to use a permit when you can, though. I mean, every time, oh, I can run heavy, I got a permit. I mean, pretty much everybody's going to do that. But it is nice, just just like you said, hey, just throw 30 on there. You're, you're yeah. good. You know, something just under it and just over it. Yep. Or 31 even. Super Dave, did you, or before we move on, did you guys have anything else about running heavy or heavy permits? Just please don't do it. I mean, that's right. the simple fact. Think think about it, you guys. You know, Dave mentioned it. Jam brought it up. The basics. What's the basics of that permit, and where is it to be used? I'm actually going to circle back to to the permit here in our final thoughts. But let's let's get uh, the high road hauler going here first. Uh, this is a really cool article. Um, it has to do with the world that we live in today. It's a crazy place. Um, whatever your opinion, uh, one end or the other, uh, we all have an opinion on what's going on in the world. But um, be the change you want to see in the world. That's a quote attributed to Mahat- Mahatma Gandhi. Um, we all know who Gandhi was. He was an Indian dude that was trying to create peace in India back in the uh, 1930s, 40s, something like that. Was he a dude? 
He was a dude. He's a dude. Just a dude. <laughs> uh, he believed uh, in, he advocated social change and needed to encourage others by using their own example. I know we were a group of truck drivers not really interested in sweeping changes in society. We're primarily interested in living, loving, and being comfortable and happy. However, we do run into things we see people do that we feel are rude or inconsiderate or discriminating or dangerous um, or just plain wrong. We encounter these actions everywhere. We see people doing these questionable things in stores, in schools, on the road, virtually everywhere. We read or see in the news, we see atrocities being committed at home against people, animals, strangers, and families. People are heard saying, what is this world coming to? We've all said it. Uh, truth be told, there have been wrongs committed against humankind by our brothers since the dawn of time. Our modern era has just magnified this to a point that is almost intolerable. To a person, we see and hear about things that touch our moral core, and somehow we wish we could change that story or what we see and make it right. Each of us can make a difference in the way we think and act and affect those around us create change in our own world with our family at home and at work and in our community consider doing these small things that are kind and helpful and loving just the right thing to do spread positive energy we can begin today by letting that car into traffic uh, by holding the door for the person behind us by paying it forward whenever we can by never disrespecting anyone and treating others as we wish to be treated Every small thought or action can make a difference. Just think of everyone, or excuse me, think if everyone did just one kind act every day, what a positive difference it would make in the world. Choose to be positive instead of negative. Choose good over evil. Make the point to respect, help, teach, involve, encourage, and love others. Um, and this is the, the quote today by Mahatma Gandhi, be the change you want to see in the world. Right oh, on, Dave. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. a great one, Good Dave. One. A lot of heartfelt stuff in that one. All right. I think I'll kick off the final thoughts. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk to, to everybody today is about ownership. There is a really good leadership book out there called Extreme Ownership by uh, former Navy SEAL Jocko Willink. I brought this up in our safety meetings before, but a couple things he says about ownership. One is leaders must own everything in their world. There is no one else to blame, right? And then we had an instance this past week or an incident where two drivers, we kind of mentioned it earlier, two drivers jumped on the interstate, uh, overweight, uh, was brought to our attention, and uh, we decided that we're going to pull those drivers' heavy permits, and that also came with a loss of safety bonus for a quarter. And uh, the two drivers had very different reactions. One driver, he, he owned it. Uh, I'm not really into negative self-talk, but he said, it's fair. I was stupid, and that was a stupid act on my side, thinking that nobody would know about it. Uh, like I said, I, I, I'm not into the negative self-talk, but that's how he felt, and he accepted what he did came with ramifications or repercussions. The other driver, who since has kind of come around and realized it was his mistake as well, he didn't react as well. Uh, you know, it was kind of you guys and your rules and... You know, I can't bonus here, and even I should put in my notice or something to that extent. You know, 
you gotta own you gotta own your stuff. I'm gonna read one more quote from this book here. Give me a second. Should we have some music come on or something while you're <laughs> while you're while you're looking, Jim? I Super Dave, will you dim the lights, please? <laughs> so, and I I've been saying this for a long time, and it's out of this book. But as a leader, it's not what you preach; it's what you tolerate. And just to be clear, you know, if you think you're not a leader when you're driving that truck, you are certainly a leader of that truck and that's your ship, right? Good so, point. As a leader, it's not what you preach, it's what you tolerate. When setting expectations, no matter what has been said or written, if substandard performance is accepted and no one is held accountable, if there are no consequences, that poor performance becomes a new standard. I don't know about you guys, but I always felt like JFW sets a higher standard you know, we we don't want to be mediocre with low standards. We want guys that are going to be out be out there doing the right thing every day, day in and day out. Well, yeah, absolutely well put, Jim. <clears throat> I want to back up because the wording is so tough on this. You know, because these guys lost their bonus. We try really hard to say they didn't earn their bonus or disqualified or disqualified <laughs> yes. themselves. Well yeah. put, Jim. The wording on that is so so emphatic because we don't want to stand here and say, we took your bonus. We didn't take it. We did not take your bonus. You did not do the things required to earn it. And I guess I just, I really have to emphasize that because we don't want to be the company standing up there. Oh, we took this bonus. We took this bonus. We took the, we didn't take it. That wasn't up to us. We're just following the rules just like you should have followed the rules so you would have earned your bonus. And I guess I just really want to drive that point home. I agree. Did, did I say loss of bonus? Because I hate when I hear that. <laughs> I, I'd have to go back and listen to it, Jim, which I'm sure you you will. You I'll, know what I mean? I, just, I will edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> I still just want to clarify that because it's it's a big deal. Everybody says, well, you can't take my bonus. We're not taking it. Right. We are not stealing it from you. Yep. You did something that disqualified yourself from it, and you did not earn it. Bonus, so, bonuses yeah. are earned. You can't lose something you have not earned yet. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. On uh, For my final thoughts, I kind of wanted to go back to procedures and discuss a little bit why we made the decision for no left turn out of VARA. And I know uh, it's been mentioned on the radio this morning already. Jam, you mentioned that's a 65-mile-an-hour highway. It's Highway 66 up there in Colorado uh, at the northern end for all of you that haven't been there yet. But uh, with no acceleration lane... You know, Jim and I talk about our experiences that I've that we've had here, and uh, you know, in the the thirty five pushing forty years that we've both experienced here, you know, knock on wood, we've only had three fatalities that we've been involved in, and I'm telling you, you guys, it is absolutely eye opening when you're standing on the side of the road for five hours, looking at your truck, looking at the camera crews, looking at Channel Nine News, Channel Thirty One showing up, they're filming your truck because there's been a fatality. There's a car there, there's flashing lights, there's state patrol. The state patrol is going through your truck top to bottom, front to back. They want to know what your weights are, how long the driver's been awake today, uh, do all your lights work, where's your paperwork, You know, where's your hours of service, and they're just raking through it. But the most important fact to that, you're standing where the 17-year-old girl was killed hitting the back of your trailer that was just sitting at an intersection, but you are being, you and your business and your driver are being crucified because they're looking for the one thing wrong that could have saved their daughter's life. 
You were standing there watching the family cry on the side of the road because they just lost their daughter. And it is so impactful. So we chose to make a right-hand turn coming out of Vara to save lives. If it impacts your wallet, we apologize for that. It's literally a few minutes, one way to do the right thing. Make the right turn. Go down and make the next right turn on 19 if you want to come back over to I-25 or continue east out to Highway 66. But it is so scary to make that left turn. You guys are 80,000 pounds. There's no acceleration lane. Those cars are running 65 to 70 miles an hour. If any of you have seen an accident where a car goes under a trailer sideways, 99% fact, those people are dead. If they turn and you get straightened out and you're barely going 10 miles an hour and they're running 70 and they run into the rear of you, still going to be your fault. People are dead. It is not, not, not a good day. I mean, it leaves a pit in your stomach. It's kind of making me sick just talking about it. I just want to clarify, that's the reason we made that decision. We're trying to be a safer company. We're trying to be a better company. This is something to keep you guys out of harm's way. Let's earn the right to continue to do things the right way and make those decisions. So those were my final thoughts. Yeah, I appreciate you driving that home. Jim? Yeah, thanks, Brother Dave. I mean, since I was there with Dave, you know, that, that tone in his voice, that pit in his stomach, you guys, that's passion. And that passion is for you guys out on the road so you don't ever have to experience that. And we're using our knowledge, just like he said, to have you make a right-hand turn. No matter how badass you think you are, no matter how many times you looked, it's that one little error that we might save you the time. So just make the right and go around on this instance. And the, and the girl that he's talking about, that's a 17-year-old girl with no seatbelts on, texting. So doesn't make us responsible, right? That makes you feel all better. She hit the back of the trailer so hard, the air can the air pod, the brake pod, the brake can, whatever you want to call it, you all know where it's at on the back of your trailer, that was sitting at her steering wheel. If that doesn't give you some kind of visualization on what that looked like on the street, I don't know what is. So anyway, my final thought of the day is I was listening to two songwriters talk about writing a song and they just written a, a good song, a new song, and they both were talking about how it's easier to write a sad song than a happy song. They said the sad song just pours out of them. And especially in, in today's society in America and the world, that it's much easier to write a sad song. And I guess I just, that hit me that I'm like, why is that? Is that the, is that the low road? Is that easier to be mad at people? Is that easier not to let that car in Dave the the super Dave that you mentioned and all that stuff so hey you guys I want to leave you with the thought why is it easier to write a sad song I think we all need to write a happy song I'm all for it I like it <clears throat> my final thoughts today um, we've been talking about back to basics um, and I want to ask you this uh, if everybody that's flown on an airplane uh, do you ever think that airline pilot just jumps in and hits the throttle? Sarcasm, Dave. Yes. <laughs> I hope not. I'm flying next week. I hope he does a better pre-trip than some well, people. Well, that's my point. Um, you know, he does a very, very good pre-trip because he's probably got about 200-some-odd lives in his hands up in the air there. 
Um, we have lives in our hands driving those trucks every day out on those roads. Absolutely, Dave. So do our daily truck inspections with everything we've got. Look at everything. You're the pilot of that truck. I know we're on the ground and not in the air, but it's essentially the same thing. Um, you know, you need to do the best job that you can. And in the interviews that we do and on our creed, and I know you guys have all heard it, give honest value for those you serve. And we serve everybody out there. We serve each other. Um, giving honest value means that you do your very best and you give 100%. So put that 100% into your pre-trip and post-trip. Um, you know, nobody wants anything that's just okay. You, if you bought a new clothes washer and half of the clothes came out still dirty, you'd say, oh, that's okay. It's not okay. Uh, you want that to wash your clothes 100%. So um, let's go out there and give our very best today and tomorrow and every day. So my, oh, go ahead, Dave. <laughs> that's so funny. Hey, uh, the back to basics. I guess I have more on my closing thoughts. Back to basics. Look in those mirrors when you back up. If you can't see what's behind you, don't back up. We've taken so much damage in the last 30 days to new trailers. It is unbelievable. I mean, we're, we're buying $65,000 trailers that I think we've got 10 of them with damage already. It is, it puts a pit in my stomach, Jam. It's, it's, it's hurtful. So back to basics. If you can't see, don't back up. And, and what do you do, Dave? If you, if you don't back up, what do you, what do, you do? What do you? What do you mean by that? Oh, Jam, go ahead. You get out and look. You can get out and look 15 times, and I'll tell you guys, I'm no super trucker. I've been driving since 99. I look silly when I got to park a truck in the yard here, but I don't back into anything. Good job, Jim. You won't look stupid unless you walk in the shop and have to write up damage that you just caused by backing into something. Yeah, that's no fun. My final, final thoughts. Up, Jim? I see. Are you, are you got something? <laughs> no, I'm just... <laughs> Just get out and look. Stop. I don't know. It's just the basics, Jam. They're running through my head. Hey, a couple guys want longer podcasts. This is how we get there. <laughs> there was a couple more words, right? Yep. Uh, so my final, final thoughts is uh, I missed a couple things. One, the safety committee members, as far as drivers go, over at the West Yard, we got Chris Beam and Dennis Fiscara. Those guys are safety committee veterans. They did it all, I don't know, for a couple, couple years here at the main yard. But we also added as alternates, there you go, Jim, we got uh, Tony Martinez and Josh James. Those guys are both very good, safe drivers. Over here at the main yard, we have, let's see, Ryan Emerling, Seabass, Dale Boyce, Dustin Romero. Yep, I think those are the four guys here that we're going to rotate those guys in and out of the meeting. So excited to have those guys on board. And big news, next week we have two special guests on the podcast. Jim and Dave are going to step away for a week and we're going to have a couple different guests on the podcast. So if you like the podcast, please let us know. We love getting feedback. We love hearing if you guys like this or not. And who knows, maybe we'll do it again. Hey, good luck to you guys next week. Whoever's filling in for us, it'll be a, it'll be fun for you guys. And uh, thanks you guys. Great job. Proud of you guys. Keep up the hard work and be safe. Hopefully they bring some good dad jokes. Yeah, they have to have dad jokes. I'm kind of needing some help on some dad jokes. If anybody has some and they want to pony up, nah. you know my email, Dave at JFW Trucking. No, that's no, not no, fair. no, no way. This Come is on, a Jim. competition. The, that's not that's a competition. It's cheating. <laughs> yeah. I'm calling on my brotherhood. Man, I don't like We're it. family here, right? Man, when you need help, I lean on family. 
Just you mean so, you want somebody to help you back up, like get out and, <laughs> and look behind you? That kind of dad joke? Uh, when I'm out there, I know I spot people. Just so you know, I'm deleting your request for help out of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Have a good day, everybody. <laughs>